Chapter 4, Moses in Egypt, Part 8 of The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rhonda Fetterman. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. Moses Visits Paradise and Hell when Moses was on the point of departing from heaven, a celestial voice announced, Moses, thou camest hither, and thou didst see the throne of my glory. Now thou shalt see also paradise and hell. And God dispatched Gabriel on the errand of showing hell to him. Terrified by its fires, when he caught sight of them as he entered the portals of hell, Moses refused to go farther. But the angel encouraged him, saying, There is a fire that not only burns, but also consumes, and that fire will protect thee against hell-fire, so that thou canst step upon it, and yet thou wilt not be seared. As Moses entered hell, the fire withdrew a distance of five hundred parasangs, and the angel of hell, Nasargiel, asked him, Who art thou? And he answered, I am Moses the son of Amram. Nisargiel, this is not thy place, thou belongest in paradise. Moses, I came hither to see the manifestation of the power of God. Then God said to the angel of hell, Go and show hell unto Moses, and how the wicked are treated there. Immediately he went with Moses, walking before him like a pupil before his master, and thus they entered hell together and Moses saw men undergoing torture by the angels of destruction. Some of the sinners were suspended by their eyelids, some by their ears, some by their hands, and some by their tongues, and they cried bitterly. And women were suspended by their hair and by their breasts, and in other ways, all on chains of fire. Nisargiel explained, these hang by their eyes because they looked lustfully upon the wives of their neighbors, and with a covetous eye upon the possessions of their fellow men. These hang by their ears because they listened to empty and vain speech, and turned their ear away from hearing the Torah. These hang by their tongues because they talked slander, and accustomed their tongue to foolish babbling. These hang by their feet because they walked with them in order to spy upon their fellow men. But they walked not to the synagogue, to offer prayer unto their Creator. These hang by their hands, because with them they robbed their neighbors of their possessions, and committed murder. These women hang by their hair and their breasts, because they uncovered them in the presence of young men, so that they conceived desire unto them, and fell into sin. Moses heard hell cry with a loud and a bitter cry, saying to Nesargiel, Give me something to eat, I am hungry. Nesargiel, What shall I give thee? Hell, Give me the souls of the pious. Nesargiel, The Holy One, blessed be he, will not deliver the souls of the pious unto thee. Moses saw the place called Eluka, where sinners were suspended by their feet, their heads downward, 
and their bodies covered with black worms each five hundred parasangs long. They lamented and cried, Woe unto us for the punishment of hell! Give us death that we may die! Nisargiel explained, These are the sinners that swore falsely, profane the Sabbath and the holy days, despise the sages, called their neighbors by unseemly nicknames, wronged the orphan and the widow, and bore false witness. Therefore hath God delivered them to these worms. Moses went thence to another place, and there he saw sinners prone on their faces, with two thousand scorpions lashing, stinging, and tormenting them, while the tortured victims cried bitterly. Each of the scorpions had seventy thousand heads, each head seventy thousand mouths, each mouth seventy thousand stings, and each sting seventy thousand pouches of poison and venom, which the sinners are forced to drink down, although the anguish is so racking that their eyes melt in their sockets. Nasargiel explained, These are the sinners who caused the Israelites to lose their money, who exalted themselves above the community, who put their neighbors to shame in public, who delivered their fellow Israelites into the hands of the Gentiles, who denied the Torah of Moses, and who maintained that God is not the creator of the world. Then Moses saw the place called Titbayawan, in which the sinners stand in mud up to their navels while the angels of destruction lash them with fiery chains and break their teeth with fiery stones from morning till evening, and during the night they make their teeth grow again to the length of a parasang only to break them anew the next morning. Nasargiel explained, These are the sinners who ate carrion and forbidden flesh, who lent their money at usury, who wrote the name of God on amulets for Gentiles, who used false weights, who stole money from their fellow Israelites, who ate on the Day of Atonement, who ate forbidden fat, and animals and reptiles that are an abomination, and who drank blood. Then Nasargiel said to Moses, Come and see how the sinners are burnt in hell. And Moses answered, I cannot go there. But Nasargiel replied, Let the light of the Shekinah precede thee, and the fire of hell will have no power over thee. Moses yielded, and he saw how the sinners were burnt, one half of their bodies being immersed in fire, and the other half in snow while worms bred in their own flesh crawled over them, and the angels of destruction beat them incessantly. Nasargiel explained, These are the sinners who committed incest, murder, and idolatry, who cursed their parents and their teachers, and who, like Nimrod and others, called themselves gods. In this place, which is called Abaddon, he saw the sinners taking snow by stealth and putting it in their armpits to relieve the pain inflicted by the scorching fire, and he was convinced that the saying was true, the wicked men not their ways even at the gate of hell. As Moses departed from hell, he prayed to God, May it be thy will, O Lord my God, and God of my fathers, to save me and the people of Israel from the places I have seen in hell. 
But God answered him and said, Moses, before me there is no respecting of persons and no taking of gifts. Whoever doth good deeds entereth paradise, and he that doeth evil must go to hell. At the command of God, Gabriel now led Moses to paradise. As he entered, two angels came toward him, and they said to him, Thy time is not yet arrived to leave the world. And Moses made answer, What ye say is true, but I have come to see the reward of the pious in paradise. Then the angels extolled Moses, saying, Hail, Moses, servant of God! Hail, Moses, born of woman that hast been found worthy to ascend to the seven heavens! Hail to the nation to which thou belongest! Under the tree of life Moses saw the angel Shamshil, the prince of paradise, who led him through it, and showed him all there is therein. He saw seventy thrones made of precious stones, standing on feet of fine gold, each throne surrounded by seventy angels. But one of them was larger than all the others, and it was encircled by one hundred and twenty angels. This was the throne of Abraham, and when Abraham beheld Moses, and heard who he was, and what his purpose was in visiting paradise, he exclaimed, Praise ye the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Moses asked Shamshiel about the size of paradise, but not even he who is the prince thereof could answer the question, for there is none that can gauge it. It can neither be measured, nor fathomed, nor numbered. But Shamshiel explained to Moses about the thrones, that they were different one from the other, some being of silver, some of gold, some of precious stones and pearls and rubies and carbuncles. The thrones made of pearls are for the scholars that study the Torah day and night for her own sake. Those of precious stones are for the pious, those of rubies for the just, those of gold for the repentant sinners, and those of silver for the righteous proselytes. The greatest of them all, continued Shamshiel, is the throne of Abraham, the next in size the thrones of Isaac and Jacob, then come the thrones of the prophets, the saints, and the righteous, each in accordance with a man's worth and his rank and the good deeds he has performed in his lifetime. Moses asked then for whom the throne of copper was intended, and the angel answered, For the sinner that has a pious son, through the merits of his son he receives it as his share. Again Moses looked, and he beheld a spring of living water welling up from under the tree of life, and dividing into four streams, which passed under the throne of glory, and thence encompassed paradise from end to end. He also saw four rivers flowing under each of the thrones of the pious, one of honey, the second of milk, the third of wine, and the fourth of pure balsam. Beholding all these desirable and pleasant things, Moses felt great joy, and he said, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that hast put their trust in thee, before the sons of men. And Moses left paradise and returned to the earth. At the moment of his departure a heavenly voice cried aloud, 
Moses, servant of the Lord, thou that art faithful in his house, even as thou hast seen the reward that is laid up for the pious in the world to come, so also thou wilt be worthy of seeing the life of the world that shall be in the future time. Thou and all Israel, ye shall see the rebuilding of the temple and the advent of the Messiah. Behold the beauty of the Lord, and meditate in his temple. In the world to come, Moses, besides sharing the joys of Israel, will continue his activity as the teacher of Israel, for the people will go before Abraham and request him to instruct them in the Torah. He will send them to Isaac, saying, Go to Isaac, he hath studied more of the Torah than ever I studied. But Isaac, in turn, will send them to Jacob, saying, Go to Jacob, he hath had more converse with the sages than ever I had. And Jacob will send them to Moses, saying, Go to Moses, he was instructed in the Torah by God himself. In the Messianic time, Moses will be one of the seven shepherds that shall be the leaders of Israel with the Messiah. Moses declines the mission. When Moses turned aside to see the great sight, that the bush was not consumed, he heard a voice calling to him, Draw not nigh hither. These words were to convey that the dignity to be conferred upon him God intended for Moses personally, not for his descendants, and further he was warned not to arrogate honors appointed for others, as the priesthood, which was belonging to Aaron and Aaron's descendants, or royalty, which was to appertain to David and the house of David. Again the voice spake, Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. These words conveyed the desire of God that he cut asunder every bond uniting him with earthly concerns. He was even to give up his conjugal life. Hereupon the angel Michael spoke to God, O Lord of the world, can it be thy purpose to destroy mankind? Blessing can prevail only if male and female are united, and yet thou biddest Moses separate from his wife? God answered, saying, Moses has begot children. He has done his duty toward the world. I desire him to unite himself now with the Shekinah, that she may descend upon the earth for his sake. God spake furthermore, addressing Moses, Thou seest only what is to happen in the near future, that Israel is to receive the Torah on Mount Sinai. But I behold what cometh after, how the people will worship the steer, the figure of which they will see upon my chariot, even while my revelation will be made on Sinai. Thus they will excite my wrath. Nevertheless, though I know all the perverseness of their hearts, wherein they will rebel against me in the desert, I will redeem them now, for I accord unto man the treatment he merits for his present actions, not what he will deserve in the future. I promise their father Jacob, I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And now I will betake myself thither, to bring Israel up in accordance with my words unto Jacob, and bear them to the land I swore unto their fathers, that their seed should inherit it. 
so long as the time of affliction that I had appointed unto his seed in my revelation to Abraham was not past, I hearkened not to the supplication and the groaning of his children. But now the end hath come. Therefore go before Pharaoh, that he dismiss my people. If thou dost not bring about the redemption, none other will, for there is none other that can do it. In thee doth Israel hope, and upon thee doth Israel wait. The matter lieth in thine hands alone. Moses, however, refused to take the mission upon himself. He said to God, Thy promise unto Jacob was, I will surely bring thee up again out of Egypt. Thou didst undertake to do it thyself, and now it is thy purpose to send me thither? And how indeed were it possible for me to accomplish this great matter? to bring the children of Israel up out of Egypt. How could I provide them with food and drink? Many are the women in childbirth among them. Many are the pregnant women and the little children. Whence shall I procure dainties for those who have borne babes? Whence sweetmeats for the pregnant, and whence tidbits for the little ones? And how may I venture to go among the Egyptian brigands and murderers? for thou art bidding me to go to mine enemies, to those who lie in wait to take my life. Why should I risk the safety of my person, seeing that I know not whether Israel possesses merits making them worthy of redemption? I have reckoned up the years with care, and I have found that but two hundred and ten have elapsed since the covenant of the pieces made with Abraham, and at that time thou didst ordain four hundred years of oppression for his seed." but God overturned all his objections. He spake to Moses, saying, I will be with thee. Whatever thou desirest, I will do, so that the redemption will in very truth be realized through me, in accordance with my promise to Jacob. The little ones that Israel will carry up out of Egypt, I will provide with food for thirty days. This shall prove to thee in what manner I will supply the needs for all. And as I will be at thy side, thou hast no need to fear any man. Respecting thy doubt whether Israel deserves to be redeemed, this is my answer. They will be permitted to go forth from Egypt on account of the merits they will acquire at this mountain, whereon they will receive the Torah through thee. And thy reckoning of the end is not correct, for the four hundred years of bondage began with the birth of Isaac not with the going down of Jacob into Egypt. Therefore the appointed end hath come. Persuaded now of God's unalterable resolve to use him as his instrument in the redemption of Israel from Egypt, Moses entreated God to impart to him the knowledge of his great name, that he be not confounded if the children of Israel ask for it. God answered, saying, Thou desirest to know my name, my name is according to my acts. When I judge my creatures, I am called Elohim, judge. When I rise up to do battle against the sinners, I am Lord Zebayat, the Lord of hosts. When I wait with long-suffering patience for the improvement of the sinner, my name is El Shaddai. When I have mercy upon the world, I am Adonai. But unto the children of Israel shalt thou say that I am he that was, that is, and that ever will be. And I am he that is with them in their bondage now, 
and he that shall be with them in the bondage of the time to come. In reply to the latter words of God, Moses said, Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, and God assented thereto. He admitted that it was not proper to force the knowledge of a future suffering upon Israel in a present that was itself full of evil and sorrow. And the Lord said to Moses, My words about the future were meant for thee alone, not also for them. Tell the children of Israel, besides, that at my behest an angel can stretch his hand from heaven and touch the earth with it, and three angels can find room under one tree, and my majesty can fill the whole world, for when it was my will it appeared to Job in his hair, and again when I willed otherwise it appeared in a thorn-bush." But the most important communication from God to Moses concerning the divine names were the words to follow. In mercy I created the world, in mercy I guide it, and with mercies I will return to Jerusalem. But unto the children of Israel thou shalt say that my mercy upon them is for the sake of the merits of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When Moses heard these words he spoke to God, saying, are there men that transgress after death? And when God assured him that it was not possible for the dead to sin, Moses asked again, Why then is it that thou didst reveal thyself to me at the first as the God of my father, and now thou passest him over? Whereupon God said, In the beginning it was my purpose to address thee with flattering words, but now thou hearest the whole and exact truth. I am only the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses prayed to God, entreating him to reveal his great and holy name unto him, so that he might call upon him with it, and secure the fulfillment of all his wishes. The Lord granted the prayer of Moses, and when the celestials knew that he had revealed the secret of the ineffable name, they cried out, Blessed art thou, O Lord, gracious giver of knowledge. God is always regardful of the honor of the elders of a people, and he bade Moses assemble those of Israel and announce the approaching redemption to them. And as God knew beforehand how Pharaoh's obduracy would display itself, he made it known to Moses at once, lest he reproach God later with the Egyptian king's forwardness. End of chapter 4, part 8